In multiple episodes, I have used the word trade dress, and while I've always said that I will make an episode specifically for it, this right here is that episode. Trade dress is very, very, very unique with its type of protection because of the fact that you have to establish secondary meaning. And in this episode, we will go into exactly what secondary meaning is within trade dress and how it's a really, really, really cool way to protect certain aspects of your brand. This is The Label Law with Grace Azuike, and this is Trade Dress. What is secondary meaning? It's not that I don't want you here. Yeah. It's something about the way you stare. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Label Law. This week in Trade Dress, we're going to go back a little bit, and we're going to start by looking at Brand Protection 101's trademark episode. In that episode, I discussed the very, very, very infamous case of Christian Louis Vuitton versus Yves Saint Laurent. And in that case, it was very big because of the fact that a lot of different fashion companies and brands were taking sides of either one and it was really strategic in that point of why they were taking those sides but one of the major things that came out of that case was the fact that christian louboutin had to establish secondary meaning so what exactly is secondary meaning secondary meaning is defined in the court of law as once somebody sees a specific aspect whether it's a color a shape a logo from a specific brand, they automatically associate that with that brand. And that is how Christian Louboutin was able to, in the first place, not get what he wanted, but then was able to appeal and eventually get half of what he wanted, which was the fact that Yves Saint Laurent stole his red bottom sole. And with trade dress, it comes up a lot because of the fact that it's kind of hard to establish that, you know, people automatically associate something from your brand with your brand. One, because in the United States, they kind of use anyone with that aspect. It's not like, oh, okay, if you go to the average fashion person or someone who's into fashion or someone who likes labels and stuff like that, what they associate it, they mostly use the fact that, you know, it's what the normal person associate that with that brand. And I think that also plays into the a key part that I've talked about so many times in the past with the fashion industry, which is the fact that in the United States, fashion isn't protected as an art form in the same way that other art forms are protected because there isn't a real clear understanding in the court of law of what exactly needs to be protected within the fashion industry. So y'all know I love to give y'all specific examples from within the fashion law field right now, things that have happened. So why not use a bag that is known all around the whole entire world as a specific example? Rappers buy their girlfriend this bag. Rappers make music about this bag. Drake allegedly bought all these versions of this bag for his quote-unquote future wife drake we know you bought them for yourself but anyways (laughs) you probably can already guess what bag i'm referring to which is the hermes birkin bag and it is a very recent example of trade dress infringement in the fashion industry 
So Hermes is a French luxury good manufactured of highly coveted bags, like I said. And in this case, they were against Imperia Inc. and Sophie Inc. and Topps Handbag Inc., who allegedly copied the overall appearance of the Hermes Birkin bag. Now, like I said, everybody knows what the Birkin bag is. Like, I don't even think you really have to just know anything about just like, oh, yeah, like I know labels, I know designers, I know brand. Like, I don't think you need to even know any of that to know what the Birkin bag at least sounds like the just the name you've you've heard it before rather than even if you've even seen it and the origin of course of the Birkin bag plays a really big deal of course Jane Birkin was on a plane next to the director design director at Hermes and she was complaining about the fact that when she was trying to travel she wanted a cute bag that could hold all of her stuff but still you know of course be fashionable she's an actress paparazzi are going to be everywhere they're going to be taking pictures of her and right there on that plane he took a napkin and he drew up this bag which would end up becoming the Birkin bag and named it after her and from then it has been one of the highly coveted bags of all time and just like i said there's so many people that have bought this bag there are people who literally have trust funds for this bag i mean the bag is literally in the stock market like you can invest literally in stock of birkin bags specifically so it just shows how much this bag is known and according to the united states patent and trademark office hermes has won a registered trademark on the configuration of the handbag having rectangular sides a rectangular bottom and a dimple triangle profile it also has another registered trademark on the rectangular straps which fit over the flap of the handbag and whose ends are joined with the rectangular hardware which includes a turn lock and a padlock so hermes did what you know I don't want to say smart person just because I can sound kind of condescending, but they went ahead and registered both two different things, specifically the shape and the handles of the bag because of how unique they are, especially with the fact that this is such a highly coveted bag. So it's like we need protection because people like it. So, I mean, the people who can't afford it are probably going to want something that looks like it. And although it did end up settling outside of court, it's just the fact that this is exactly what trade dress protection is. The fact that Hermes can go into court and say, look, not only do we have this registered trademark, but also the fact that if we go to the average person, they know what the Hermes bag, Birkin bag is. They've heard of the bag, even down to the hardware. A lot of people recently have been talking about the fact that the fact that the Hermes Birkin bag is so coveted and highly coveted, you have to wait, honestly, to get it. You can't just walk into Hermes and say, you know, I want a Birkin bag today. I got 27000 You know, show me your collection. There have been infamous episodes in Sex and the City where Samantha tried to go get a Birkin bag for Lucy Liu and had to put her name down on a wait list that they said, I believe, was like a year wait just for her to get that bag. So it shows how hard it is to get the bag, one, because of how coveted it is. But it also shows the fact that a lot of people were talking about the fact that how do all these rappers, how do all these, even just normal people with money who have regular jobs, how are they able to sell, have me buy these bags and put them on the market? And one way that people have been saying that they have been is because of the fact that there are very, very, very good fakes out there. And the reason why people can determine the difference between a real Birkin bag and a fake Birkin bag is the hardware, which Hermes has a trademark filing on. 
because of the fact that it is a very unique hardware that you can tell. And also the fact that something is trademarked specifically, more than likely there is a very unique way that they make the hardware specifically to look that way. And if you're not on the inside, you wouldn't know exactly how to make that. And like I've said in the past, the United States, when it comes to the protection of the fashion fashion industry, is it, it's starting to become more open to it. And but because of the fact that it's starting to become, there isn't that much precedent that you know for court cases to be like, oh, okay, well, if you look back to this case, this will show you why you need to be protected in this way, or why my brand deserves the protection that it deserves. And but because of that. Cherry dress protection in the fashion industry is one of the most widely recognized forms of protection, especially in the courts. Like judges are more so understandable when it comes to trade dress than probably any other form of protection that I've personally seen. Specifically, if I'm going to say one thing that they're very more open about trade dress over is copyrights, because copyrights is a very, very, very complex issue within the fashion industry because of what they deem able to be copyrighted. I want to really go into the difference between trade dress and trademark just because they one kind of sound alike and also because they can be kind of mixed up in the way that they sound and the protection that they hold. So trademark protection specifically is the mark of a designer in the fashion industry and trade dress is design protection over the overall physical appearance. So we can go into a little example between Gucci and Guess back in, I want to say 2012, that they had a case about the registered trademark of the green, red, green stripe mark with Gucci. And they believed that Guess had stolen it for a specific thing. The case was settled. They discussed everything, blah, blah, blah. That is trademark. As opposed to trade dress, we could look at Mark Jacobs, who filed suit against Ed Hardy, asserting his trade dress infringement on Ed Hardy's Koi Jana nylon tote. And he claims that it copied the dimensions and overall appearance of Mark by Mark Jacobs' pretty nylon little tape. And he alleged that this copying of the quilted pattern, the knotted handles, vertical side pockets, metal plaque, and other details. And I'll list two images on the website so you guys can actually see the difference. But when you look at the bags, honestly, right next to each other, it, it, it's kind of funny because you, you can really see, like, you, you, you can see it. And with that being said, that is what happened in that case the difference between trade dress for it wasn't the fact that both of the bags are the same color it wasn't the fact that you know mark jacobs trademarked um you know the specific shape of the bag it wasn't that it was just the fact that mark jacobs was saying hey when you look at this bag the first thing you're going to think is oh wow that looks like that mark jacobs bag that is the difference between trade dress and trademarking This wasn't really a long episode because, I mean, for the most part, I really have covered the protection of trademark and trade dress is kind of just a sub section of that. So, of course, I have gotten to the end of this episode today and I want to thank you guys as always for listening, for supporting me. Um, Check out the website as always because the article for this episode will be up there with what I mentioned, Mark Jacobs versus Ed Hardy's bag. And as always, this is the Label Law Talks with Grace Azuike. Thanks for listening, and I will see you guys next week. We can, we can get away. Palm trees, beach, golden, golden every day. Oh, well, heroes, heroes, visions, visions, I replay. Sit right next to you.